Hlu, Kai, Hlu, Hedran, Hlu. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. And welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry, and with me, uh, remotely with me, with me in spirit, the great Dr. Carl Totten. I am here. Welcome, world. <laughs> so we are once again recording this show remotely due to all the craziness with the uh, COVID-19 virus. Uh, we are still mostly on lockdown in here in the sunny state of California, and I am recording in a little studio I have behind my house. I guess it's not like it's a full-on studio. It's like a, a guy who, use, who used to own the house, built a little thing, a little like nicer shed type of thing where he used to work on uh, bicycles. So uh, then when we bought the place, I said, oh, soundproof studio. I love it. Um, so I have that going on here in Long Beach, California, and Dr. Carl Totten is at the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Yeah, I'm in my office. Sounds like you're in your man cave. That's right. <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time out here over the past uh, few weeks. Uh, you know, when you're in, in the house with wife and four-year-old 24-7 all the time, like the man cave has really <laughs> become my fortress of solitude. <laughs> uh, that's understandable. Well, we don't want to happen to you what apparently happened in the Wuhan after their lockdown. <laughs> the, the divorce rate went way up. <laughs> we don't want that. <laughs> oh, you, you know, I was thinking that, you know, during this downtime, I should go to like University of Phoenix or some online place and get a uh, lawyer's degree in uh, yeah. divorce lawyership so I can come out and make a ton of money. <laughs> But, you know, we're doing okay. You're f feeling good, Dr. Todd, and everything's good? You're keeping your sanity? Yeah, I feel great because, you know, I teach uh, seven classes a week, you know, in, in Tai Chi and Kung Fu and Qigong. That, uh, I have not missed a single class. I'm still seeing almost all of my clients. I see some in person. I see some uh, by phone and then some by Zoom. So... And then I am working on what seven, eight, nine books. God, I don't. I lost count. You know? <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, you know the thing is, I think for someone like you who has tons of hobbies and everything, it's not so bad being locked down because you have plenty of stuff to do and entertain yourself with. And I'm kind of the same way. I'm always trying to doodle on something or do something creative or whatever. So this has been kind of the. The good point is it's given me more time to work on stuff. Like for instance, we have our what's this Dow all about YouTube channel now. Um, and I've been updating that, which is uh, really cool. I mean, there's not much to it. It's audio of the show, but it's so more people can find the show. Um, also, I we had a YouTube or I'm sorry, a Facebook page called the What's This Dow All About Listener Group, and yes. I was so dumb when I set it up that I didn't put it so members of the group could post. 
So I was like, you know, it's really sad. I thought that there'd be some interaction on this. I thought people would be talking. And someone's like, I can't post on the page. And I was like, oh, so for a year we've had that. And now we can do it. So that's now open. So if you want to connect with other listeners, um, it's a forum just for everybody who listens to the show to get together and talk about the Dow. Um, go for it. Uh, it's on Facebook, the What's This Dow All About listener group. Also, I've been in meetings to bring What's This Dow All About to the radio airwaves. Um, there's a new uh, public radio station here where I live in Long Beach, California, uh, called KLBP 99.1. And they're, come, you know, they're, they're doing a soft launch right now, but soon they're going to be full of great programming. And they selected this show, this podcast. So I think the way we're going to do it is there's going to be, they're going to air our podcast. And then I think I was going to talk with you, Dr. Carl, uh, obviously mm -hmm. off the show, about doing the occasional live call-in show. And we'll tell everybody about when we're doing that, like on our Twitter or Facebook page. And people can call in and, and talk with us live about the Dow. That'll be fun. That'll be great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, the, a lot of people can be able to hear the show because it'll broadcast over an area of like 500,000, 600,000 people because Long Beach is, you know, 450,000 people live here. It's like the size of Oakland or, you know, bigger than Portland even, you know. So that's going to be great. We're excited about that. And, of course, to everybody listening, as we always say at the top of the show, uh, we take donations to help uh, this show uh, keep to keep it going. Pay the bills around here, and uh, it's $15, and you get a link to a never-heard-before show about finding your talents. Donations of 35 or more, and you'll get that bonus episode and three guided audio meditations uh, by Dr. Carl Totten. It's like two hours of content, and Dr. T Carl Totten will teach you how to find the sacred space of the heart. Yes, and I've had some really terrific uh, feedback from uh, listeners about uh you know that uh, those guided meditations. I mean, these are things that I do myself. I teach all my students here. I have uh, special courses, you know, where I teach people about how to move into the sacred space of the heart. It's kind of a timeless place of, um, uh, like, being in the void. You know, places that you know many of the ancient Taoist writers would talk about. And um, I have these uh, guided meditations to take whoever is listening straight into that space. So that's, um, I think, really exciting to have that available for people. Yeah, especially right now when people have some free time. <laughs> you know, why don't you meditate with Dr. Carl Totten when you're uh, sitting at home and you need to find your, uh, your peace? Yeah, uh, do some audio books and, like you said, maybe uh, do some online education, get a new degree or something. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's, you know, take lemons and make lemonade, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so on today's show, we're going to discuss a very important aspect of the of the Tao and Taoism, uh, the, which is embracing the totality of life. We're going to, oh, there's my guitar. Right here. Uh, we're going to talk about Chongsa's funeral, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because the funeral's fun. We had a listener get mad, actually, and send me an email because we were talking, we were being too morbid last show. <laughs> uh, let's see. And we're going to talk, talk about Chapter 77 of the Tao Te Ching. We're going to kick this off here with a listener mail that inspired this topic. So uh, if you can go on our website, you can email us. Uh, and a, a listener named Stuart wrote in and says, Thank you for encouraging people to be grateful for everything the totality of life. 
The realization that one not only can do this, but also should, has really lightened the burden of life on my shoulders. Every experience, no matter how its nature, is now a learning experience in a much more conscious way for me, and I'm able to analyze my subconscious and those of others much more easily. This helps me bring harmony to myself, other people, and our relationship with everything so much more effectively. So I guess his basic idea was, you know, um, the basic idea of Taoism, I think we've touched on, but never really hit it right in the middle, was embracing the totality of everything, embracing the good, embracing the bad, embracing the bitter, embracing the sweet. Um, and before I get your thoughts on this, Dr. Carl, which I know are multitude, much more important than mine, uh, I will go over a chapter of the Tao Te Ching, actually, where they talk about this. Uh, this is chapter two of the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, allegedly. It says, Under heaven, all can see beauty as beauty only because there is ugliness. All know good is good only because there is evil. Therefore, having and not having arise together. Difficult and easy complement each other. Long and short contrast each other. High and low rest upon each other. Voice and sound harmonize each other. Front and back follow one another. Uh, Dr. Yes. Carl yes. Totten, embracing the totality of life. Where do we start? <laughs> right here, right now. Uh, what better <laughs> time than the present? Right. You know, so I, I told uh, Stuart, I said, you know, I, you know, thank him, of course, for listening to the show. We're always pleased when people have discovered the Tao and, you know, it's beginning to provide some guidance uh, for their lives. That's great. Uh, I told him, I said, I think we're here to awaken and by so doing to return to the source fully awake. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, I wrote a little something called The Mind, Cleaning, Karma, and Life. <laughs> mm. and, and, you know, a while back, because people are frequently asking, you know, you know what, how, how, how to proceed on, kind of on a daily basis. And, you know, the way that all of us are processing reality is through our consciousness, primarily for the vast majority of us, through our brain. And our brain is filled with what? Thoughts. Our thoughts are what? Words. Language, right? Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, going back to chapter one of the Tao Te Ching, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. You know, so. Well, what about the Tao that can be thought? Now, <laughs> I was actually, uh, I was reading a thing recently where humans think in different ways. Well, obviously, but the way we process thoughts, some people kind of think in words, which is how I my kind of default, and then if there aren't words, I get some kind of imagery in my mind. But mm -hmm. some people do not think in words at all. It's all kind of imagery and that, that kind of thing. So is the Tao that can be made in a man, in the imagery in one's mind, the eternal Tao, or is that as limited as language? No, I think a lot depends on our capacity for perception. Uh, like I said, for probably 99.9 .9 or more percent of people on Earth, it's through their brain. Again, using words and, and imagery as well. Uh, you know, it's been said, you know, you are what you think you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so one of the problems with that is that when the mind is idle, it tends to default towards the negative. 
right. unfortunately. <laughs> like those, those ruminations we have throughout <laughs> those the day. Those ruminations. When I'm doing the dishes and I think about how I was wrong. <laughs> when I'm a victim, I'm the greatest victim in the world when I'm doing the dishes. The world's out to get me. But then I so, focus on something and then things get beautiful, right? Yeah, which is why I suggest that, if possible, our mind should be either in a positive space or in what I mentioned a little while ago, in that void space, you know, that the meditation leads people to, where they're kind of outside of time and space. There really aren't any thoughts going on. They're just fully present in the present moment, just in a state of just being, mm -hmm. if you will. So I suggest that our mind should be either positive, which is fine, in that void space, where it's kind of clean, it's at zero, if you will. It's not positive, it's not negative, it just is. Kind of like the Zen state of mind that our Zen teacher comes here and talks about. Or another possible uh, focus for the mind uh, would be focused on some creative or constructive project or activity. Because I also really believe that we're here, we're kind of incarnated on you know, this... Um, little blue rock, <laughs> this Carl little Sagan. blue water, yeah, this little blue water rock, uh, you know, to create something. Because out of all the billions of people, you know, each one of us is completely unique. And so we must have, because of that uniqueness, that suggests that we're here to bring something unique and special and creative, something to add to the mix of humanity. And much of my teachings, you know, with my students and certainly working with clients is to get people to tap into that and to be able to create their ongoing and present moment life by doing what the shamans say, kind of dreaming it into existence. And that goes back to what you said a little while ago, Todd, about imagery. Uh, I, I really encourage people to use their image-making capacity, in other words, their imagination, right, imagery in motion, in order to create something that possibly has never existed before because we never thought of it, we never conceived it, we never were able to harness our creative input enough to express it and then to be able to create it. Uh, by the way, it's been said that we might have somewhere around 50,000-plus thoughts per day. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot going through that head. Oh. And, and, and also in our subconscious, it's been said that we might have as many as 11 million bits of data move through our Jeez. unconscious per second, per second. Now, a lot of that, I think, will become kind of karmic material that will need to be cleaned, you know, back to zero, right? back to that space. Because if we don't keep our subconscious clean, we can easily become overrun or even contaminated with mental de debris, which will clog our system and prevent connection with our higher self mm -hmm. or source, the Tao, if you will, which is where we want to download that inspiration and creativity, which is then related to our purpose in life, our purpose for being here. So some of the kind of skills that I think might help with this process is every day, and by the way, it's important if you really want, if anyone really wants to change, it has to become a new habit because all human beings are 
kind of connected to their habits in a big way. Oh, and, yeah. and what we've done in the past, we tend to reproduce in the present and into the future, which becomes a new present. And so if we, if we aren't doing something proactive and creative and skillful every day to kind of work with our consciousness, it's going to default to what it's been doing for the last, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And again, it tends to default towards the negative. And, and the reason why is because negative thoughts, negative energy, negative um, um, uh, things that our, our brains get stuck on are heavy. They're dense. It carries a lot of weight. And things that are heavy and dense and carry a lot of weight tend to ruminate in our consciousness yeah. and subconscious and just hang on and on and on. I think that's what the uh, uh, the ancients called karma, right? right? It just keeps going around and around and around and just keeps coming back. So every day, what I suggest is that people kind of scan your day as soon as you wake up and psychically clean it. You know, think, you know, every day, you know, if you have a surface there in your house, uh, Todd, mm -hmm. you know, a windowsill or a tabletop or um, a TV screen, if you actually run your finger over it right now, I guarantee you there's dust there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee you. I don't have to even see it. I know it's there because it's on all of my everything that I touch here. And so if we aren't doing a daily cleaning, it's going to start to build up this layer of kind of crud, you know. Right, and then, then you get that feeling of just kind of negativity in yes. your mind, walking around, and you're like, I don't even know why I feel this way, but I just feel kind of negative, and I, yeah, it's just like this kind of psychic accumulation. Yeah, it just builds up. And so every day it's important to just go, you know, clean, clean, erase, clean, 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 and do some meditation uh, like uh, like on that audio um, uh, meditation that we have, you know, where I teach people how to just go in there into the sacred space and then just start cleaning up all the debris that's in the body, in the mind, and in the unconscious. Now, how does one specifically, I know like your meditation, it's like, you know, 30 minutes long and the whole bit, but just let's say I'm, how would kind of doing a cleansing meditation differ from like a normal kind of mindfulness meditation that I'll do? What would a cleanly, like what would be the activity going on in my brain during that? Mm -hmm. Well, it is a form of mindful meditation, actually. Um, our subconscious could be thought of as kind of like an inner child, a little child, because actually it probably is. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of the things that we started the process when we were, you know, just born and one, two, three, four, five, six years old. I remember Sigmund Freud, you know, said that, uh, you know, by the age of five, you know, we're kind of a done deal. <laughs> you know, yeah, whatever, whatever is in there is in there. And then we're going to spend the rest of our lives trying to figure that out and straighten it out. <laughs> right, right. So if, if you can, if we actually could kind of look inside and see, feel and sense that inner child. And what does a little child want? They want to be loved. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be accepted. And, and they want to be held, nurtured and taken care of. Period. End of story. That, that's, and they want to play. That, that's what a child wants. And so our inner child... And they want to eat, by the way, Dr. Dr. Yes, all day long. My kid just... My kid just... 
their mouths are like uh, vacuum cleaners, right? Just taking in anything that will fit in there. Uh, my That's son true. is like, it's uh, like the, the kid in Dick Tracy. When do we eat? When do we eat? He just sits and hangs on the refrigerator door all day. It is, it is, it is maddening. Sorry. So, so, no. So we may need to feed our inner child. And, and I do. You know, your inner child, what, the most important thing is to acknowledge the inner child, love the inner child, and be open to asking the inner child, you know, what do you need? Oh, I, I, I want to play with this toy. I want to eat this type of food. I want to go here or go here there and do this or that. I want to play with this or that. And so that, that's where imagination comes in. We need to go inside and actually interact with our inner child in whatever way that self needs in order to feel good, accepted, and loved. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually pretty simple. It's just that most people are so out of touch with themselves and their unconscious that in their whole adult life they never ever do this right now is there is there a part of them that feels a sense of shame or it is beneath them or it isn't adult well I think most people are just unaware that that self is even there mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean unless they're like maybe a poet or a writer I mean someone who's used to kind of tuning in to their inner self and taking some notes, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's not the average person. You know, the average person is not necessarily that introspective and uh, inquisitive about what's happening in their unconscious. And by definition, of course, being in the unconscious, they're unaware of it. Right. But that doesn't mean it's not there. It's been said that probably 90, 95% of our total consciousness is actually in the unconscious or the subconscious so we're just not aware most of the time but that doesn't mean it's not having an impact that's one of the reasons why people have uh, dreams every night and especially if they're having negative you know nightmare bad dreams it's because there's things our our unconscious is trying to work things out and help us but it, it it needs some help and if our conscious mind says okay i'm here for you i love you i acknowledge you i respect you I have gratitude, thank you, I have gratitude for you doing all this work, 90, 95% of the work of my total consciousness you're doing. And, and now for the first time, maybe, I'm actually acknowledging that you're there and helping me out. I love you. That goes a long way towards soothing our unconscious and having it work for common goals, goals in both the conscious and the subconscious so that we can actually fulfill our destiny, our Tao-given destiny, whatever that <laughs> is. <laughs> and so I suggest that people go to sleep. Before they go to sleep at night, they look back over their day. They just say, you know, whatever was there that was maybe out of sorts, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean that down to zero. I'm going to zero that out and just let it go. And the best way to do that is through the inner child by telling the inner child, you know, Inner, inner me, I love you. Thank you so much. And so you go to sleep with a sense of gratitude and love. Now, what do you think that's going to do to your unconscious all night long? It's going to make it sleep comfortably and yes. uh, not be rattled. Yes. And, and so it's like we're actually interacting with our own karmic cycle and cleaning it so that we can learn our lessons and not have to do what? Keep repeating it over and over and over. Oh, yeah. 
you know, day after day, year after year, uh, maybe even lifetime after lifetime, because when we're attached to something like that, as the as we know, the Buddha said, that type of attachment leads to suffering, eternal suffering, and certainly that's not why we're here on Earth to suffer eternally. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, thank you, Doctor Totten. Um, Let's move on to discuss Chongsa's funeral. Ah, yes. Which this is a translation of Chongsa. And for those of you who are new to the show, Chongsa is kind of the second most important writer in the er, philosoph philosopher in the Taoist canon. After the first is Lao Tzu, and then a couple hundred years later came Chongsa. And um, Chongsa's stuff is a little bit different uh, than Lao Tzu. But a lot of his stuff is told kind of in parables. Mm -hmm. And this is a translation uh, from the book The Way of Changsa by Thomas Merton. When Changsa was about to die, his disciples began planning a splendid funeral. But he said, I shall have heaven and earth for my coffin. The sun and moon will be the jade symbols hanging by my side. Planets and constellations will shine as jewels all around me. And all beings will be present as, mourner, as mourners at the wake. What more is needed? Everything is amply taken care of. But they said, we fear that crows and kites will eat our master. Well, said Changsa, above ground I shall be eaten by crows and kites, below it by ants and worms. In either case, I shall be eaten. Why are you so partial to birds? Ah... <laughs> uh... Isn't that beautiful? Yes. You know, clearly Chuanzu was not attached to things. <laughs> right. And he was able to just be and accept what is without getting trapped in the details of life or death. Mm -hmm. After all, in this particular case, what does it really matter what the ultimate outcome will be with the same anyway, right? Dissolution, you know, going back to the void, returning to the source. Whether it was the birds or the insects, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like why well, I always wonder that people like spend. You know, if you have a funeral these days, um, and you know you get buried and you buy the coffin and the whole racket, you you could you could spend twenty five thousand dollars on that. You know, yes, you can. People spend a tremendous amount of money. It's like, well, you know, but cremation's like sixteen hundred bucks, and uh, there you go, and you get to be just part of the world you know your body doesn't matter anymore the show's over you know there's no <laughs> and, and you know um and and the family's got that uh, beautiful little urn to to kind of keep <laughs> reminders of you <laughs> around all the time you know i'm actually looking at an urn uh on my desk here in the um oh, in the, if people go on twitter I've, i last time i recorded i i put a shot of my microphone i think and everything from where i was doing the show from but i had a friend of mine back in december i, I told you about this dr carl i had the guy i was supposed to go to a football game with and he died the day of the game mm. and so later i went to his um like his ceremony to remember him and his cousin who threw it had his ashes there and i said those are his ashes and she says yes we have no idea what to do with them i said well i'll take them and so <laughs> I'm going to deposit him at the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium because he was a huge mm -hmm. Raiders fan. So, of course, I come walking home and have a, a, my buddy's ashes 
uh, in my hands, and my wife just immediately looks at me and goes, put it in the studio. I'm not having that in the house. <laughs> that goes in the man cave. <laughs> I, go, I, go, I went to the Remembrance, and I came back with my buddy Matt. My wife's like, of course, that's... That's you, Todd. I was like, hey, you know, I got to give the guy a good send-off. But, yeah, you know, uh, I, I like the idea that Chongsa sees right through all the formalities um, of of dying, you know, that, that, that people put on it. It's almost in a way like I think that if someone has a really elaborate funeral, then sometimes, or you have an open casket and you see the body and everything, it ends up becoming my memory of that person becomes dominated by the funeral and the burial and the sight of their corpse. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Versus my memories of them being alive, which I think are much more important. But a funeral is such a heavy, uh, you know, such a dense emotional experience that it changes you, your perception of that person. Yes. You know? Yes. In fact, I actually know a couple of people who refuse to go to funerals for that very reason. Mm -hmm. they, they actually said they want to remember the person as they were in life and not have their last memories being all the formality and kind of depressed atmosphere of a, of a funeral. And, and also, I've, I've noticed I go to funerals sometimes and the entire ceremony is about the religious aspect and like not about the person. Like, you go there and it's like, Joe was a good guy, blah, 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 and now we're going to read from Deuteronomy. You know, and, and, the, and the whole thing <laughs> is about, you know, religion uh, and not, not the person's life. And I, you know, I think people contain multitudes, as Bob Dylan would say, and uh, probably... A bit and more you, about them, you know, would be nice at these events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as a uh, Dallas priest, I've done a number of uh, funerals. And uh, my funerals that I perform actually are, are really are a celebration of the person's life. You know, I, I, you know, in the days before the funeral, I've interviewed all the people who knew them, you know, all their loved ones. And my funeral basically is a summation of their life, and I, I just kind of describe what they have gone through, their triumphs, their struggles, you know, how they, the impact they had on the lives of the people around them, and and then at the end, I kind of I read do some readings from the Tao Te Ching, and basically cast them back to the source, just yeah. allow them to return, basically to go home, yeah, and then whatever happens from there. Um, we don't know. <laughs> we, 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 our eyes are not that high. <laughs> right. And so, uh, but what this individuals did for us, you know, the, the impact they had on our life, that of course is forever. Mm -hmm. And certainly love, you know, love or unity consciousness, you know, that, that sensation, that experience that comes from being in the sacred space of the heart. That is very, very powerful. And if I can help move the loved ones towards that space, then they never feel that their loved one is really gone because we know that everything is energy and you can't really destroy energy mm -hmm. or create it. It's just here. <laughs> yeah. All we can do is tap into it. Energy can change form, change shape, but the actual substrate, the substance of the energetic presence is always here. And if I can help people tap into that, then, you know, the, the loss is not quite so sharp. Because in a, in a real energetic sense, the person hasn't gone away. They've just right. changed form. 
And while they were here, now they're there, but they're still there. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's see here. Uh, let's finish this show off with Chapter 77 of the Tao Te Ching. Dr. Carl, would you like to uh, read that? Yes. Chapter 77, the Tao Te Ching. The Tao of heaven is like the bending of a bow. The high is lowered and the low is raised. If the string is too long, it is shortened. If there is not enough, it is made longer. The Tao of heaven is to take from those who have too much and give to those who do not have enough. Man's way is different. He takes from those who do not have enough and give to those who already have too much. What man has more than enough and gives it to the world? Only the man of Tao. Therefore, the sage works without recognition. He achieves what has to be done without dwelling on it. He does not try to show his knowledge. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that certainly sounds um, pertinent today, just 2,500 years ago, and is yeah. just as meaningful today as it was 2,500 years ago. That's for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on this, this one, um, and I, I, was, I was reading one take on it, and it was like the beginning of this, we were talking about the Tao of heaven is like the bending of a bow, the high is lowered and the low is raised, um, that it's not necessarily like an archery lesson, you know? That it's, <laughs> it's an idea about how life seeks equilibrium. Yes. Right. And life seeks balance. So and about how the bow, an archer's bow, there is a balance is, you know, you pull one way and this like the, the whole thing is, is 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 powerful, but it's the whole thing trying to get back to equilibrium mm -hmm. is what gives it that power. Yes. And the arrow never goes anywhere until you do what? Yeah. Let go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, here, you know, Lao Tzu is counseling us towards like you said, equilibrium, balance, equality, basically fairness, really. And, you know, and throughout history, imbalance has often been the norm. You know, yeah. like he said, you know, the rich get richer while the common people struggle. And in our current pandemic, you know, with all of these bills going through Congress, uh, who was the first ones to get well taken care of? The billionaires, of course. They, of didn't, course. they didn't lose a dime. But the rest yeah. of us, you know, you have no job, maybe. you uh, All the places you usually go are closed. The currency isn't circulating. You can't go to movies or ball games or, or, or anything. And... Um, and and they, it seems like the government expects us all to just take it, just deal with that. Right. Yeah. But the billionaires, oh, <laughs> stock market, oh, you know, uh, how many trillions of dollars did they pour into that, you know? Uh -huh. And so th this notion that the royals, the royal blood, always have more than the rest, while the rest of society can barely make it, obviously has been a theme with us humans for a long time. Oh, yeah. But as Lao Tzu said, the Tao of Heaven is like the bending of the bow. The high lowered, the low is raised. If the string is too long, it's shortened. If there's not enough, it's made longer. That's the way of Heaven, and that's the way of the sage, or a person of Tao. And, and at the same time, he recommended that we be humble and not brag, 
you know, the sage works without recognition. He achieves without what has to be done without dwelling on it. He doesn't not try to show his knowledge. And so I think that, you know, this is a very uh, powerful lesson for us today. And I think that as citizens, it's our responsibility to let our representatives know that this is what we expect. We don't expect them to be listening to the lobbyists who are uh, knocking on their door uh, every day, uh, all day long, and trying to get uh, special treatment for their uh, uh, industries, you know, their corporations, uh, and tax breaks uh, for them. And uh, the rest of us, well, uh, we, we just want your vote. We're, we're not right. going to really help you out. <laughs> right. Um, and so one of the ways that I sometimes have come up with to just get in touch with this bending of the bow is to kind of look around and see what do I have excess of that perhaps I could share with others who don't have as much. That could be, you know, clothes, it could be funds, it could be books, tools, you know, anything that you might have, any of our listeners might have around their homes that they might be able to donate to those less fortunate that will help improve the balance in the world and in your life. You know, now we have less clutter and someone else has what they need. That's perfect. You know, it's absolutely perfect. So if we can share that which we're already grateful for, for, you know, for having, then that allows us to spread the wealth, you know, to kind of balance this boat, uh, if you will. Uh, we can also share our time. I'm a big uh, proponent of volunteering, you know, where you can volunteer at a hospital or at a place for neglected children or, or, or just look around. You mm -hmm. know, there, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of volunteer uh, opportunities. And nothing on, in life I've found feels better than just selfless giving, especially to others who are less fortunate than us. And when we just give without expecting any anything in return that it's it leaves a smile on your face that lasts at a very deep level for a very very long time so that's and a great and practice. now and now more than ever right now more than ever with all the people you know some people i think like yourself you know you're blessed with a job that allows you to work from home oh lord you yes know? you know yeah. being a being a writer and a you know, kind of a journalist type of a person. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. See, so, you know, to, to some extent, you know, this, this current predicament hasn't affected you as much as it has others. We know the unemployment rate is higher than it's been since the Great Depression already. And, um, and I'm, I'm really worried that a lot of a small kind of mom and pop businesses are gone. I, I, they may never come back. I yeah. They may never be able to recover which means that the impact on our economy and our society is going to last, you know, long past the time that this uh, virus is having such a strong impact at the present time. Uh, if people lose their you know, livelihood and entire way of life and all their savings and, and all the health and other consequences of that, um, that that's kind of forever. Mm -hmm. And so, those of us who are in a position to uh, ameliorate some of that by sharing, um, I, I think that's that's the perfect way to to kind of bend this bow in the uh, direction of fairness and equality.
It's the, the, the old saying that if you ever wanted, you know, people always wonder, you know, what would I have done during certain historic times? You know, what would I have done during the Civil War? What would I have done during, uh, you know, the Great Depression or whatever? And it's kind of whatever you're doing now. Yes. You know, like it's historic times. If, you know, the generous are being generous, uh, those that are not are not. And, and that's just that's kind of the way it's working. Um, also, one last thing. Uh, about this particular chapter, which I find interesting. It's kind of like, you know, the beginning we're talking about the bending of the bow and that natural equilibrium and balance. And then um, it goes, you know, the Tao of heaven is to take from those who have too much and give to those who do not have enough. And he's saying that man's way is different. So man is treats his external relationships um, with, with a lack of balance. But the man of Tao... Uh, treats his, his relationships uh, with a sense of balance. And normally when I think of Taoism and the concept of balance, I usually think of it as some kind of internal thing or some kind of internal um, way of being. And then and then sometimes my behaviors, but mostly my behaviors as they relate to me, not my behaviors as I relate to others. So it's uh, talk about this is kind of eye-opening because it, it keyed off in my thing that balance was more also about my relationships to others and society in general and finding the correct balance between what's mine, what's theirs, uh, you know, how selfish am I, what, what do I owe my fellow man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a powerful takeaway from this that I hadn't considered. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, sometimes, you know, people think that, um, you know, uh, Lao Tzu and Taoism is too abstract, you know, it doesn't affect, it doesn't have that that much of a connection to the real world. Well, right here, um, uh, Lao Tzu would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if this doesn't uh, connect with the real world, I don't know what does. And uh, quite a, a lot of uh, Lao Tzu's counsel was really for, you know, for how to live life every day and also for for leaders, for how how to govern in, in a more fair and balanced way, since throughout history, leaders have tended not to do that. Yes. You know, and have tended to be very selfish and to give to the rich and take from the less fortunate and have this incredible wealth uh, inequality. Uh, if that was true 2,000 years ago, it's certainly true today, where that gap is getting bigger and bigger uh, every year than it was the year before. And so this is a very pertinent lesson, and it's, it's an idea that I hope all of us will share with um, all of our uh, representatives. And remember when we are in the ballot box uh, and yes. voting. <laughs> very nice. I'd like to thank Dr. Carl Totten for joining me virtually for this show. And hopefully the next, uh, well, next show we do will also be virtual because we're recording it next uh, but then maybe hopefully after that, things will be opening up and I'll be back over at the Dow Institute and can see you with my own eyes. Yeah, being in the temple is is a very special blessing. It's a, it's a very spiritual environment. And, and, the, and the purpose of having, for, and this is for all our listeners too, the purpose for having a, a, like a nice shrine or kind of spiritual environment is to remind us of what's really important, what really matters. Uh, This bending of the bow, this allowing things to come into balance. Uh, We as human beings need as many reminders as we can get. That is the, the lesson of the Tao.